Hey, rock stars, I'm JB, expert salesperson and master presenter. I'm the doctor, psychologist, and behavioral expert. This is the Entrepreneur Mastery Lab Podcast. We're high-performance coaches that help service-based professionals and entrepreneurs take their skills to the next level. 70% of entrepreneurs fail, which is why every week we have real talk with real entrepreneurs to help ensure you are not one of them. We're also the inventors of the Be Rich Mindset, where we rise to mastery, inspire greatness, celebrate knowledge, and help others along the way. So join us in the lab. And now, on to the show. Welcome back to the Entrepreneur Mastery Lab. I'm JB. I'm the doctor. This is your first time joining us. Welcome to the lab where we interview real professionals on a weekly basis, even if it's just the two of us. And we are super excited for a fantastic show. If you are a returning listener or viewer, thanks again for checking us out. We appreciate it. And I'm certain you've already gone ahead. You've liked, you've subscribed, you've followed, you've given us a five-star review. Uh, of course, if you haven't, what are you waiting for? Slackers. If you're new, I don't expect you to give us a like, subscribe, or follow yet, but within the next hour or so, I'm hopeful. No, just do it now. Why wait? Yeah. Because you, you want to be prompt. You know, you put things off, you wait, you forget. It's not good. Just do it. I like, I like your way of thinking, Doc. So get on there. Give us some love. We appreciate you. Doc, it's good to see you again, buddy. Isn't it always? Yes, it's one of my favorites. Speaking of seeing us, there is a great way that we can see us. And not everyone that listens to our podcast knows this, but we are also on YouTube. So the same thing that you are listening to, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you might be listening, you could also see us and our lovely faces and smiles and Rudolph's um, live on the YouTubes. And speaking of that, you can also see the gear that I'm wearing today really just call call off rudolph's really <laughs> i didn't have to say what it was you, if you're going to draw attention to yourself that's on you i i just kind of let it subtly in there it's like a nice all inside all right yeah okay what 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 gear are you wearing let's let's put some attention on your gear due to our special guest today i brought out my scrubs that i haven't worn quite a while i used to wear this when i was working uh down the rehab center myself doing a lot of brain injury rehab so I always got to wear scrubs, which is great because then you never have to worry about what you're wearing to work. Uh, very comfortable. So I busted them out today in honor of our guest. You would never know. I, I mean, half of the people listening are just listening while they're driving, so they can't see you anyways. But you are so dark in that background, man. H how can somebody even tell you're in scrubs? Stand up for us. No, no. Give, give us you're a little good. twirl. Give us a Cinderella twirl. You have to pay extra for that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I didn't know it was scrub day. You know, I could have I could have worn a pair of scrubs. I got a pair of scrubs as pajamas. I don't wear them often, but, you know, that's what we're into. But no, you're not you're not one of the super friends. Oh, you're just our trusty sidekick. You know, I I'm, I'm invited to the clubhouse, too, here. I'm not, I, I'm allowed to be involved. You can't you can't. This is not like there there's inclusivity issues here with what you're telling me. I'm a little I'm a little upset. You're a trusty sidekick. I'm going to need I'm going to need to talk to my therapist. about Your fodder for the story. That's you you just booked you. yourself another hour. Congratulations. 
this is how, this is how he keeps himself in, in business and his other business. He just messes with me, and then he, then he's like, "Oh, if you need some therapy, come come find me later." It's all part of the strategy. Yeah. All right, Doc. En enough of this. I don't need to be a super friend. I've got a super friend waiting in the background. We just yes. met, but I already really like her. We've got Dr. Christiana Marin joining us, who is a doctor of physical therapy. Dr. Christiana, welcome to the lab. Good morning. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate oh, you're it. Very, very welcome. Now do us a favor, or I should say do our listeners and viewers a favor, just share a little bit more about yourself uh, so they know uh, who you are and kind of what you're about, if that's okay. Absolutely. Well, thank you guys again for having me. I am Dr. Christiana Marin. I am a physical therapist, doctor of physical therapy out of Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I actually own my own practice right off of Broward Boulevard, downtown, very close to Las Olas. And I opened up my practice about four or five years ago, I'd say, I'm just about maybe hitting the five-year mark. And I'm originally from New York. I came down here six years ago. You might not be able to tell, but Florida's kind of made its way into my life. But my story is pretty interesting and I kind of get choked up when I talk about it because I don't really talk about it as much unless I'm on a beautiful podcast like yourselves and someone's asking me, you know, why or how, or if I have students asking me why or how. So I got into physical therapy when I was 14, 15 years old. My best friend's sister, who became a good friend of mine, was diagnosed with bone cancer and I would take her to physical therapy. We would go to physical therapy together and getting to see her become so lively afterwards, kind of get refilled. I was like, man, I want to have a job that makes me like feel like I'm, you know, fulfilling someone like that, you know, giving them a little light at the end of the tunnel, even though it feels like it's so far away. And, you know, they always had me involved in stuff like that. Now therapy back then you're talking, I'm 32. So whatever, you can do the math on that. But, you know, therapy was really different back then, because the healthcare system was really different back then. And I'm going to tie this into kind of how I became into my private practice sector. But, you know, it was a lot of one on one attention. And she just she she thrived after therapy. And so, you know, I just started cleaning tables at a, a local office in my town. And I'd always like, you know, watch the therapist or you know, watch the aids and they found that I was like super interested in the stuff. So then they allowed me to sit on evaluations, you know, and then I worked my way up to becoming an aid and a whole, you know, slew of different entities. So I was doing, you know, volunteer work in a hospital. I was doing aid work in the hospital. I was doing aid work at a separate office just to get my feet wet and to also learn from a multitude of different areas in Physical therapy is so vast. You can go into pediatrics, you can go into acute settings, orthopedic settings. So, you know, I really wanted to dive myself in as, as, as much as I could. And my brain was like a sponge. And I try to tell my students now, I'm like, if you can be a sponge and just absorb all the information from the really good people, the really bad people, and then, you know, collectively with learning in school and stuff like that and your experiences, you'll become a better doctor that way. And I, I truly feel like that's why I am the way I am and what led me to what I'm doing because I've learned from really great people. I've learned from not so great people. 
and I've just, you know, dove into areas that maybe weren't my comfort zone or outside of my comfort zone and really drew me to who I am today. Cause there's some cases I have now that I wouldn't have expected to really go for or treat or help. And I, because I have that experience, it, it, you know, brought me to who I am today. So when she passed away my senior year of high school, I was like, that's it. This is what I got to go to school for. So I did four years at Upstate College in New York, SUNY Oneonta. And it was my last choice, actually. I was going to go to Quinnipiac. They had a, at the time, it was a master's degree. You didn't have to get a doctorate. So it was, I think, a 4-2. I think it was six years of school. And I decided to try and save money and go to state school. I thought I was maybe ruining my experience by doing that, but I'm so glad I did because the doctors I learned from there more than overly prepared me for graduate school because graduate school seemed like a breeze for me. And so I had really great experiences there. My summers were still filled with volunteering and working as an aide. And then I applied to PT school. And when I applied to PT school, I had a couple of choices. I was going to try and do to, uh, go to Stony Brook. Um, I was going to try and go to New York Institute of Technology. There was a couple other different schools that accepted me. And I really, I knew I wanted to be more of a hands-on therapist. I'm not sure why, maybe just from my experience, but I knew I wanted to do that. And Stony Brook was more neuro-based and New York Institute of Technology was very manual-based. And there was also a 80, 80 I think it was 80 students of a class in Stony Brook and it was like 35 at New York Tech. So I knew that I would have more one-on-one with the professors. I would have more of a cohesive class when I was at New York Tech. So that was the route I went. And again, super grateful that I did because my professors were amazing. My manual skills went through the roof and I was so excited to start there. So Midway through PT school, I was diagnosed with stage 2A breast cancer. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm like, you know, what do you, what do you do? I'm working two jobs. I'm in the middle of my doctorate program. You know, what do you do? And at the time I just started dating uh, my, my boyfriend to this day, who's my husband. And he was like, we're just going to push. We're just going to push and you got to keep positive and you got to keep going. My school had said like, Hey, do you want to take a leave of absence? I was like, no. Cause knowing me, if I stopped doing everything that I do, I'd probably be worse off if I didn't keep things the way I need to just keep it moving. So he really helped me get through that time period because it was just, it was rough between school, still working before that I was bodybuilding So I was just so confused at like getting my, you know, my train derailed pretty much, but I had a really great support system at home and we got through that. And then once I finished, I think I finished chemo in February, 2016, I was graduating in May. So it was about a year. I did seven rounds and we were going to, I was going to actually take a job at NYU in the city. It was one of my rotations and I really loved that place it was one-on-one it was always one-on-one with the the clients and it was not bad my boyfriend was working in the city at the time so we were going to move to Brooklyn it was going to be that but I think 
both of us had this like recollection we needed to get out of New York. Like I I couldn't, I couldn't heal where I was sick, you know, type thing. So we were either going to go to California or go to Florida. And he had a, a cousin down in Florida. So we decided just, okay, we have family that's close. We know someone we're going to head down to Florida. Th- that was it. We had no money came down with $127. I remember it because we were like, how are we going to put rent down for our apartment? And we were stuck in Jacksonville and we were at this gas station. It's like three o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I opened up, you know, my bank app. And it just so happened that my taxes had cleared. So we had enough money to put down for the apartment. And it was just like, it was just like a blessing. So when we came down here, I took the first job I could could grab because we, we needed to start working. And I met with this CEO and CFO of this company. And to my understanding, I thought I was going to be working with like sports and orthopedics. But then once I showed up, I found out that I was working as a therapist with addicts in recovery. So it was completely different. Nothing I've ever done before. And really out of my comfort area. And I was like, I can't believe I took this job. But I I needed a job. And every other place that I took, they were like, oh, you're going to be here for, you know, 10 hours a day. And you're gonna be working on 50 patients a day. And I was like, I don't, I don't want to run myself into the ground. I, you know, I haven't even sat for my boards yet. So I took the job. And it was, we talk about like failures and setbacks. We talk about like, hard times. It was such a learning curve for me. And it was honestly, I look back at it and it was a blessing because if I didn't take this job, I wouldn't have been motivated to get to where I am today. And I wouldn't have had the time to dedicate to doing the stuff that I had today because in that type of setting, it wasn't like you were in a spot and you were just there for the whole day. I was going in and out of different treatment centers and I was, you know, treating clients. So we'd be there for like an hour and then I'd have like a two hour, three hour break. And then I'd go to another setting and I was driving all over South Florida. I made my way up to regional manager, now managing massage therapists, acupuncturists, physical therapy aides, you name it. And I'm having to connect with the therapists and the doctors on staff at these treatment centers. And these clients are going through detox. These clients are going through trauma. These clients are going through, you know, they're out of jail. They're going through so much stuff. So it's not like the typical patients that I've ever been used to where they're not combative. Sometimes, you know, coming out of detox, you don't know where you are. You have someone trying to like get you to exercise and move. And so it really tested me. And the one clinic that really tested me, it was all males. And I'm a tough chick. Um, A lot of these guys were out of the penitentiary and like, you know, 16 years out. So it was tough. But it really made me have some thick, like thicker skin than I already had to then be like, okay, I see a lot wrong with the medical system between this and the other stuff that's going on in a regular orthopedic setting, which is where they're, you know, it's like a mill. They're running patients. You're, you're a doctor. You see your schedule. You have an hour chunk of time and you have five patients and that might have two evals or that might have you know, three treatments. And how are you giving quality of care in that time frame? You're just, you're not. And 
I realized that. And I was like, because everything's going off of insurance. And it's not to knock people who work with insurance. It's not to knock people who, you know, have to be in those settings because of their life situation or family situation. They don't have the means to, or the drive to open up their own practice and do that stuff. But I was like, well, am I going to waste my time waiting for the medical system to change and get better to help patients? Or am I going to do it myself and try and show the world that there's another way to help and heal people by giving quality of care treatment? So on my off hours and my Saturdays and Sundays, I started promoting myself a little bit more. I already had a decent following because of bodybuilding on Instagram. My boyfriend was like, let's do a booth at the Fort Lauderdale Expo. This was, I think, 2017. So it was like a year after we moved down. And I was like, but I just started. Like, I just graduated. I just passed my boards. And he was like, you can do it. And I was like, I didn't even know if I, I, if I really, like, trusted myself to do it. So we rented a booth. I put it on a business card. I didn't know what I was doing. And... I was just ready to go to meet all these people two days at this big expo at the Fort Lauderdale Convention Center. And I was like skittish behind. And my boyfriend was like, get out in front, (laughs) get out and show them what you're made of, show them who you are and show them what it's like to receive. I think I worked on like 60 patients one day. I mean, it was like, you know, five, 10 minutes to just meet with people. My line was out the door. My boyfriend's really good at talking to people and, and showing them who I am and representing me. And it was just like, it just sprung after that. So like word of mouth just went after that. And I just, you know, I picked up speed. And the next thing I know, I'm working Saturdays and Sundays full times. I'm trying to treat clients at their home in between the the days I was working and the times I was working. And I realized I had to, if I was going to burn myself out, I really got to go down to part-time. And the company wasn't too happy about it, but I was like, look, I'm trying to go off and do my own thing. Like, you can't really hate me for that, you know? So I went down to part-time. Now I was even busier. And then I finally just said, okay, when am I going to pull that plug, rip that bandaid off and just full on go off on my own? And it just so happened the company ended up liquidating. I think it was like the end of 2018. And they sent out an email and they were like, hey, we're the company's closing down. You guys got a month, you know, figure your stuff out. And I was like, I'm great that this, grateful that this happened because this was my liftoff. And I just, you know, I just jumped and I'm so grateful that I did because now I'm five years down the line, four years down the line. And I have a beautiful, small private practice. I am super busy. I have the best patients in the world and I'm just, I'm just so grateful for everything and every little step hardship, not that has brought me to where I'm at today. Thank, thank you for sharing, Christiana. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Because I told you I'm from New York. I didn't tell. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I took the best piece right away. It was when she said best patience. Um, and I think she meant me. <laughs> just you. <laughs> he was waiting so long to be able to get that out there. Uh, I just <laughs> talk about the best part. It was a great story, but. <laughs> so. I, I have a, a number of questions, and, and I thought about interrupting you. I did. I, it occurred to me. It, 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 the doc knows it's hard for me not to talk. So. That was the most impressive part, actually. The whole time. <laughs> uh, this is where we can blame you just being tired. I, 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 I bit my lip. Uh, 
you know, you, uh, you dealt with some serious hardship, uh, working your way to private practice. And, and I don't want to say you glossed over it cause you covered it. Uh, but I mean, battling through cancer, most of us struggle to, to accomplish when we're not facing adversity like that. Uh, I'm just curious, just a little bit more about that and, and the dealing with cancer. Did it, did you find that it, it was a lot more challenging to, to manage to it or was it galvanizing? I mean, did it really, you know, with the support of your partner, did it really become something where it was an impetus and a motivation to, to get done? I'm, I'm curious how that kind of played out a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I think I just, for so long, I really wanted this and I was like, I'm not stopping. Like this can't stop me. So I think it was also a very motivating factor that I was in such a pivotal point in my career. And it was like, you're not stopping. You've come this far, you know, it's, it's go time. So whatever it is you got to do, you got to push. And a lot of it, you know, too, like I I said, my partner, he was like, you got to take all the negative stuff, anything that wants anybody, doctors or whoever, that's like, you need to sit down, you need to take a leave. If you truly in your gut don't feel that, he goes, then do what it is that you want to do. If you want to push, I'm here. If you want to sit down, I'm here. But he motivated me a lot to just keep pushing and keep going. And I'm beyond grateful for that because I met him only six or seven months before that even happened. So sometimes I feel like things happen for a reason. And and he was a big part of that. He was a big blessing to that. So, you know, I, I think it was, it was just, I was in a, it was such an, a, it was such an a crucial time period in my life that. It was like sink or swim. You know, I didn't have time to sit well, down. And, and life does happen. So I, I think there's something to be said here where it's it's how do we respond, you know, and how do we respond to life? Because I think for some people, that's kind of a, a, a turtle up or, and crumble situation, right? That's a scenario where it's like, you know, it becomes, uh, and, and I'm not diminishing, you know, I think what you went through, what a lot of people, you know, end up going through, it, it, it must be incredibly challenging, but uh, there's an opportunity to address that and kind of come out on top of something like that. Or there's, you know, you know, alternatively, you can make the choice to, you know, have that beat you a little bit. And I'm not saying, you know, succumb to cancer, but, you know, you you had a goal that you were working towards during that. Right. So I, I think it's it's really a pretty empowering story about what you were able to overcome while you went through that. You brought up the the partner and the support from the partner, but I, I mean, even before that, you you had a real passion for this based on the story about your or your best friend. And did that did that go through your mind at that stage? I mean, your, your best friend was dealing with cancer and, and, and bone marrow cancer, right? And and now yeah. you're dealing with cancer as you're trying to kind of achieve the one thing that that uh, inspired you. You know, it, it's just a, it's a really interesting. I don't, want, I don't want to say coincidence, but you, you had that kind of cancer in your best friend and that you're dealing with cancer. Did you kind of look back and go, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I'm, I'm dealing with this personally again now. And, and now it's me. Was that a part of the I mean, I mean your feelings or your thoughts? It's a, it's a good question. I, I think I was so young at that point, you know, when she passed. I mean, not that it was like that much of an age difference, but I, I might not have looked at it like that. I think it was more of a, a push thing, like you know, she pushed for so long at such a young age. And she was always inspiring me, you know, 
that she did do it. So I was like, well, I can't sit down and look like I'm weak. You know, she's watching me from up above. Like I can't, I can't let for a second, you know, my foot off the pedal and don't get me wrong. Like there are days and times where I was like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to fight. But that's where, like I said, it was the support structure around me that was really like those days that were hard was like, no, get going, like get your shoes on, let's go. Um, And that's what I was to her. And that's what her family was to her. So, you know, I, I, I guess I, I didn't really think of it at the time, but it was more of a motivating factor. Like she's watching, don't give up. And she's with me every step of the way. And I knew that. So yeah, I guess in a way I thought about it like that, but I, I, I guess too, you know, it was just a different, I was in such a different age bracket too. I think my, my thinking was completely different. Yeah. So, so, I mean, I, the, the time frame here, you dealt with cancer directly impacting you twice at very young ages. I, I mean, you were what early twenties with the breast cancer. Is my timing right on that? So yeah, I was, I was 22. Wow. And when she was diagnosed originally, we were 13. So yes. And then my older sister has dealt with, um, cis, um, ovarian and uterine cancer, you know, two years before. So it was, it was a very, you know, vivid thing around me and it, you know, and especially on Long Island, I know people say this all the time, but like, it was like everyone had someone that they knew went through cancer. It was a very, something about Long Island, you know, they say the water, I don't know, but uh, it's like, I feel like everyone I knew had someone or some relative or a mother or father that dealt with cancer. And plus, you know, September 11th, that had so many people, especially the helpers and the police officers and fire department, a lot of those guys dealt with cancer. So that was very close in my community. So it was a very... I don't want to say it was like a normal thing, but it was like, it's not like it was unheard of that someone had cancer. You know what I mean? So yeah, it was a word that was always in my vocabulary. I, I mean, it's just really impressive to me. I, I, the poise, right. Required to handle something like that. The maturity, I, I think just to, to manage that at such a young age and to continue on with your, with your pursuit and your goals is, is really impressive. I, I, I mean, I just don't know how else to put it. It's just, it's, it's astonishing to me. I don't think most young people have that level of poise and it, and it's really impressive. So, <clears throat> excuse me, speaking, speaking of, of poise and, and maturity and, and being a doctor of physical therapy. Yeah. I don't know a tremendous amount about physical therapy, but I don't feel like most people are doctors of physical therapy. So is that, that I mean, that seems like pretty advanced um, level of education relative to the industry. Is that, is that accurate? Well, nowadays you're probably going to see more of it because like I had said in my introduction, when I first started, it was mandatory, more of a master's. And then when I hit my sophomore year, that was when like the whole American physical therapy association said, Hey, you guys all need to have your doctorates because we're, we're sometimes the first line of defense for some people, you know, like people will be like, I'll go to a physical therapist. And instead of going to like an orthopedic, like something hurts, I'm going to go to a physical therapist, or I'm going to go to a chiropractor, right? So sometimes we're the first line of defense. And I think the medical community figured out that there are certain things that we can do as practitioners 
to diagnose, to make sure that something is treatable for us or it's not. So, and what I mean by that is we need to be able to decipher when a client comes in and let's say they, you know, they're having shoulder pain to be able to say, Hey, this is something that we can treat or the way that it's presenting and the history and the family history and all the history that comes with it, comorbidities and stuff. Is it something we're not supposed to be treating? Is it heart related? Is it gallbladder related? Is it cancer in the bone? Is it so we have to learn to be that first line of defense for patients and say, Hey, look, this is something we can treat or look, this isn't in my scope of practice. And I really think you should go see, you know, this doctor or an orthopedic or whatever, because it's a, it's not presenting the way I would expect it to for typical shoulder pain and plus your heart rate's out of control. And so now we're diagnosing at a level, which is amazing to be that first line of defense for patients and say, Hey, look, you know, if I were to keep treating your shoulder pain, you know, and it wasn't getting better now I'm negligent and I'm liable. Let's say they had bone cancer going on and it wasn't getting better with typical treatment. And now you're six months, eight months down the road. And this person's been dealing with cancer and now you've attributed to it. So they're now putting on us to be that first line of defense. So that's where the doctor year came in. Cause it was a whole year of like diagnosing and learning about systemic issues and how it can present as orthopedic pain. So, you know, that's where that whole transition came in, which was my sophomore year of college. It's helpful. And, and, and it, from my perspective, always better to see an industry really embrace moving towards education requirements. Yeah. It's amazing to be, I, I spent a career and I still am in the financial services industry. Uh, and the, the burden to become a quote unquote financial advisor is minimal. I mean, you can pass an insurance license exam and can call yourself a financial advisor of some sort, or, you know, you know, however you want to name it, because there's not enough regulation around that. And we see that in, in the coaching and consulting world too, where we have a lot of people who dabble in psychotherapy and probably in topics that they really ought not to be uh, putting themselves into uh, and I don't want to, I don't want to speak on your behalf, doc, but you know, it's, it's something we've talked about before in the podcast where you just, it's a little bit of the wild, wild west. And it's, it, it would be helpful to see the industry continue to do what your industry has done, which is just, you know, move towards requiring more and more education. I, I, I think that the, in, you know, doc can correct me if I'm wrong. I think that one of the wonderful things that I witnessed when I was working at NYU was I was working with all chronic pain patients and we worked alongside, this is the first clinic I've ever, you know, witnessed. I worked alongside a CBT therapist, which is a cognitive behavioral therapist. So the client would have an hour or so with the CBT therapist. And then we'd have an hour of treatment time from a physical therapy standpoint, because they talk a lot about these biopsychosocial disorders that come around when someone's dealing with somewhat of a chronic pain pattern. So we were looking to ask in our history about certain things. How's their family life? How's their social life? You know, certain things, because what they're finding in the psych world is that there's sometimes with chronic pain patients, there's also a psych component to it. So have they had suicidal thoughts? Did they go through a divorce? Did they go through, you know, cancer treatment and, you know, lose a spouse or did they lose a custody battle? And is, you know, and, and then all of a sudden you get these scans for their brain or their neck, 
and there's nothing wrong from a structural standpoint, but they've had 10 years of chronic neck pain. So I, I feel like the, the psych world is going to start changing, hopefully. I mean, again, Doc can correct me if I'm wrong, but from my standpoint, what I see is that was a, that was a big eye opener for me that they're diving into. Okay. It might not just be a psychological, you know, thing, or it's just a, it's just a orthopedic thing. You know, pain comes in different forms and can the brain play a big role in that? And that's, you know, absolutely. Well, I know, you know, mind body connection is there and I think we underestimate the ability of stress puts on our ourselves, right? Over 90% of the people that go to the emergency room thinking they're having a heart attack are really just stressed out. And, you know, we don't realize how much those physical effects happen from our day to day. We don't take in things considering like, are we dehydrated? Did I not get enough sleep? That's going to relate to pain. That's going to relate to how we're functioning. So there's a lot of interconnection, which is why we really need to have more whole body care where all doctors are working in conjunction with each other. It should be able to easily to communicate how we can improve care. The time in the system doesn't allow for that yet, but hopefully we get there someday. Yes. And that's been something that I've really cherished with my practice is that I spend an hour and a half with each client. Now that's different from your typical orthopedic setting where they might get five minutes with a doctor. And I have patients that come in and they might just come in straight, sit on my couch and start bawling their eyes out. Um, can you imagine spending five minutes with them and just being like, okay, but like, I got, I, you know, I got to go, I got to get to my next patient. And it's, it's terrible. So I'm building people around me, which is a beautiful thing where I can say, look, I understand you're going through a lot. I'm going to help you on this part. I'm going to help you on the therapy part. We're going to work on this. But I suggest that you go see you know, my friend, Dr. Andre, to get help from that standpoint, you know, whatever it is that you're working through. So, like I said, I think the beautiful thing about what we're doing at this level of being an entrepreneur or private practice in the medical field and Dr. Andre's field is that now we can start actually being effective at a level that we need to for individuals. It might be very micro right now, but it can be become very macro. And if we educate more people on that and there's more people that are doing it the way we're doing it, I pray and I hope maybe in my lifetime, maybe not, that that stuff will change. I, I want to pick at this a little bit. So in your in your practice, you mentioned you're doing 90 minute appointments with people, which which relative to I, I take it that's this is private pay, not non-insurance. Is that correct? Okay. And and that that modeling is what allows you to spend 90 minutes as opposed to five minutes with people. Uh so your 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 time with people is going well beyond a traditional and typical physical therapy experience that somebody would have with with most other providers. Am I, am I about right? Okay. Uh, so do you, do you find yourself then acting as more than a doctor of physical therapy in, in your mind? Are you, of course. <laughs> to the extent that in some sense you are, I, and, and, you know, I'm going to be careful here, but you are kind of sitting in a, in a therapist role where you're just listening to people and allowing them to kind of psychologically air some of what's going on in addition to their physical manifestations of pain or, or struggle, right? Correct. And like I said, there's a big overlap. And that's why I'm really grateful that I did what I did at NYU, because I'm able to look at flags. I'm, I'm able to listen and, and see those things. And I, I'm not a therapist, but I'm able to recognize when someone 
might be on the edge or verge of something and like, look, we have to make sure we're taking care of this now because how terrible would that be that I let that person walk out of the office and I didn't offer them some sort of guidance or solution to making sure that their head's clear. Cause you never want to have that day where, you know, you get a call that, you know, something happened, God forbid, and you're part of their treatment plan or you're part of their care. And that's why I say to my patients all the time. And, you know, I might be maybe someone in the medical field, maybe my professors, maybe someone out there will say, look, you're overstepping by saying, Hey, if you need something, just text me, just call me. I don't care what time of day it is, you know, but I'd rather be somebody's person to, you know, at least know that they're not alone with things because some people are, and I'd rather them know that someone's there. And yes, I'm just the physical therapist, but I'm a lot more than that for, for some people. And that allows me to put my head on my pillow at night and know that I've done everything that I could from my standpoint to make sure that that person is relatively okay. Well, it speaks to just what makes you unique. You, you're more than just a, a physical therapist to a lot of the people that you work with. Uh, Doc, you want to say something? Well, and related back to like our world of business, and I think this is what's so effective and why why Doc has such a great practice is because of that level of care, right? I get beat up by her um, every few weeks and I've learned how to get beat up by her because if I was referred to her by a couple other people that I know individually, both were going to see her and they get beat up by her. Uh, that's our term, our affectionate term for her. Um, we like to say she tortures us, but in a great way. Uh, but the reason these two different people individually refer to me is because if you're doing a great job, that's how it gets around, right? You refer. And we talked about that, you know, a few podcasts ago about the power of referrals and why we want to create that business aspect. Um, but doing a great job is what gets that out there. And that's what helps your business to grow. So I want to just kind of connect it because we have an a lot of entrepreneurs out there that might not be in the medical field and are, are wondering, you know, what's a good business aspect of it. We don't realize how much of it, what we do in therapy world, physical therapy world, finance world is related to actual business. Yeah. Well, well, you know, it's, it's to me, there's nothing's ever in a vacuum. And, and I really think, you know, when we treat within a vacuum of any sort, whether it's as a financial services professional, whether it's a therapist or a physical therapist or a mental therapist, there's something to be said about not doing it within a vacuum. There's a lot of moving pieces. You know, we, our lives are all kind of puzzle pieces that connect together in a lot of different ways. And so to look at something purely in a vacuum uh, ignores the bigger picture a lot of times and it, and it leaves a lot on the table as a professional. So there's something to be said about being able to go beyond the, the scope of uh, your technical expertise to be able to provide greater service to somebody and to, to really provide a unique experience for somebody. I'm curious, I'm going to ask this question to both of you. So, so I'm going to pose this first to, to my doc and then to uh, Dr. Christiana here. Uh, so my doc, in in your experience, how much of how, how often is somebody who's going to deal with something physically, you know, is there a mental component there that should be addressed in, in your mind? Is it, is it all the time? Is it everybody who's dealing with something physical probably should also be comprehensively looking at the, the, the mental side, the psychological side as well? 
Well, I mean, my obvious answer is always going to be yes, right? I think everyone should be in some sort of some form of therapy, um, whether that's why I keep you around. Additional <laughs> mental health, or it is just you know, it is that kind of connection of people that just can listen. Um, so your yeah, opinion, your opinions, everybody, every everybody really should kind of everyone should everyone really should, but especially if you're dealing with something that is a struggle, right? If you're constant pain or not being able to do things the way you used to, there is some processing that has to go along with that. And you have to kind of get through some of those blocks. And, you know, Dr. Christiana does a great job in her world of doing that. And if you can counterbalance that with someone who, you know, it goes back to the whole person of care, right? You should have the specialist in each area. You know, sometimes it gets a, a costly and you have to kind of spread that out a little bit, but I'm sure there should always be some sort of connection. Okay. And Dr. Christiana, in, in your opinion and your experience uh, on the physical therapy side, I, how often are you kind of seeing a, an obvious link there? So, so rather than, you know, saying, Hey, maybe everybody, which might be your opinion, I'm just curious, are you often seeing a, a direct link where you can kind of say, Hey, there's more here than just the physical that needs to be addressed? I would say I see it more often than maybe like your typical therapist in a regular setting because I am working with clients that are probably at wit's end. I know that sounds terrible, but you know, they've done the regular physical right. therapy route. Um, they're still dealing with pain. They're still dealing with all this trauma that's yet to be dealt with. And so I do see more of it and I, I encourage it. And some of them listen, some of them don't, which is, you know, also I, I can't tip them over the edge to the point of saying, but if, if there's a case where I'm really concerned, I will pose that. But I do think nowadays <laughs> with the way the world is and the stressors we all go through nowadays, I find more than often everyone should be going in that type of direction or whatever, even if it's not a, like a physical therapy thing. And it's just one of my athletes that are coming in for some recovery stuff. I end up hearing a lot on the table. It's kind of like your barber, you know, they, you go to the barber, you go to your hairdresser and you word vomit all over the place and you spew out all the stuff about, you know, your spouse or, you know, your friend or whoever. There's always some underlying mental work that should be done. And I think if like Dr. Andre said, if more people were to do that mental work, would we have the world that we're living in today? You know, so I'm, I'm in an agreement with him on that. So it's, it's interesting because you mentioned, Hey, a lot of times you're dealing with people at their wits end. So, so it sounds as if some, some, at least of your business is people who have exhausted the normal approach. So maybe you're, maybe you're seeing a little bit more of this than, than not, but there are a reason that there, there's a reason that's a business model, right? There's a reason that there's enough people for you, for you to have as a private practice where it's like, Hey, this is very, very real. And it just reminds me of a throwback conversation doc all the way back to, uh, year one on the podcast, Jessica Mantel talking about even the, the gut connection with, with the mind and, and, you know, uh, physical health, it, it's all interrelated. And, and I think, you know, it, it just kind of, it points out and emphasizes that, you know, we need to be looking at everything and how it all interacts again, back to the puzzle analogy, right? There's a lot of pieces there in different parts of our lives and uh, physical and mental health and well-being that need to be addressed. Well, you only get one body, you only get one brain. So you got to make sure you take care of them and put them all together. 
we have talked a lot today about a lot of the struggles and you know the hard parts of what we do and i'm putting we in there because you know it is one of those things that we do we get to hear a lot of trauma we get to hear a lot of the bad stories but there is things that keep us going and i was just wondering if you have any like good stories something that's a real good success i know you have a lot of them but any success stories that you want to share with us that might uh you know leave us on a good tone for the day Yes, and she stands out to me all the time. And I'm sure if you scroll on my Instagram, you'd be able to see that video. There's this little girl that has my heart, and her name is Nyla. And I actually met her father when I did the Fort Lauderdale Fit Expo. So it goes back to that first, you know, blip of getting my introduction to the Fort Lauderdale city. And he had asked me, he's like, have you ever worked with pediatrics? And... I was like, yeah, I actually, I actually have. So he said, look, I have a daughter who's got a rare genetic disorder. You know, her legs are really bowed out, meaning like they're kind of out and she can't walk. She doesn't communicate and she's, you know, she's dealing with pain. She can't communicate the pain, but she winces a lot. And she was also working at Joe DiMaggio's because they were setting her up for a surgery. So I said, well, okay, let me know you know, I'm going to come by. And this is obviously I didn't have a place yet. So I was going to their house I was going once a week on the weekend. And she was about six or seven at that point or five or six. And I had to do basic level, almost infant goals with her because she didn't have your basic normal function that a normal child would develop into. But she, man, she just tugged on my heartstrings and I would have to carry her up and down the stairs because she couldn't, she couldn't walk. So I started off with doing like tummy time, belly stuff, all this stuff that you would do almost with an infant and the goals you would hit at with an infant, but I'm doing it at five or six with her. And the transformation is amazing. And maybe I could link you guys that video and I don't know how I could even send it, but she now is walking with two feet, swinging her arms, doing her thing. And it took us a year and change and a lot of work on the parents' part and a lot of work with other therapists and telling them what they needed to do with her. But every, every little blip you get to see, like her just standing, that was, a, that was a big achievement for her. And the next was I got her in a walker and she could not stand the walker. And then she started liking the walker. And then she got to literally just walking without any help and just with her arms up, walking into school because then she could finally go to school. And that's when I knew, and I did it with very little equipment. I did it with very little, nothing fancy, just my knowledge. And she had a, she had a strong will to work with me and that was the that was the moment I knew like you are really good at what you do. You might second guess yourself sometimes, but don't forget that like what you've done for this little girl speaks volumes because her mom texts me for her birthday. Her her mom texts me now. They're in North Carolina now. <clears throat> but she texts me all the time, sends me videos of her just living her life and doing her thing as she can with the diagnosis that she has. And, you know, that's, you're talking two, three years later after the fact. 
And that it's always just a constant reminder for me, like you have this power and it's so great and you got to just keep sharing it. And if you can help one person, you can help a lot of people. And that, that is the one that sits with me all the time. It's amazing the changes we can make in the world, right? You know, it, it, and sometimes it, it's easy to doubt our ability to do so. And then you get a story like that where you, you've actively changed somebody's world uh, and been a part of that. And, and I'm certain it took a lot of hard work for, from a lot of people, including your patient, Nyla. Uh, but it's an incredible life-changing uh, story. So love love hearing things like that. Uh, Dr. Christiana, absolute pleasure to, to have you on and joining us and to, to share a little bit, not just about your journey, but to some of the struggles and some of the really cool success stories like that. That's really neat. Thank you. I, I appreciate you guys having me on today. It meant a lot. And real quickly, if people want to get beat up by you um, and feel what this torture is like, of course, I say that with love. How would they get a hold of you? You can go to my website, which is www.drchristianamarin.com. Or you can find me on Instagram. That's probably the easiest way to also reach me directly. And my handle is just that. It's just Dr. Christiana Marin. No periods, no... And of course, we'll put all that in the show notes. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, I really enjoyed the conversation. I, I'm kind of half upset that we did this remote because I feel like I could have actually experienced the, the two for one power, <laughs> physical and psychological therapy with the two of you. But maybe it's better that I didn't. I'm, I'm also a little, little intimidated <laughs> here. There's too many docs flying around today. I'm used to saying doc, you're saying doc, then he's calling you doc. I'm very, very confused already. Uh, we all need a drink. I need, I need a doc in my name. I feel I gotta go back to school or something. <laughs> Feeling a little undereducated. Oh boy, look what you started. He now. just wants to be a super friend. Yeah, uh, uh, right. Jeez. <laughs> all right, Doctor Christiana, thank you so much for joining us. See you thank soon. Thank you. Well, Doc, as always, I love having people that are smarter and more credentialed than me on the on the podcast, I, I only get a little, uh, you know, uncomfortable with, with being the stupidest person in the room. You should be used to it by now. <laughs> I'm, st I'm starting to be, <laughs> apparently there's a whole league of super friends. I am not a part of, will never be a part of, and can only be on the outside looking in like stuck behind a wall of glass over here. I love when we bring the super friends on. I had Dr. Toby and Dr. P and now I'm going to have to start vetting C. out our, guests more often and you know if there's doctor of anything in there i'm gonna just cross <laughs> you cannot cross oh. off the super friends no. No. meanwhile so back at the hall of justice right what's uh what was your top takeaway from the conversation today uh, there's a lot i mean just uh what i appreciate and this probably is not even what you would think of a takeaway but for me in, in my world it makes sense is just the struggle of doing business and relating it to healthcare and didn't get a chance to ask her, but I, I can guarantee the answer is she didn't have any classwork around how to build a business because that's not something they teach you in medical school. It's not teaching anything they teach you in physical therapy school. It's definitely not anything they teach you in you know, clinical site school, right? So the, the instinct that comes from that to go out there and push and, and all the struggles that you heard, you know, kind of builds that character to get out there and her practices, it's slammed. Try to get an appointment, it's not easy. 
Yeah, you know, I uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna carry on that a little bit further and and just go. You know, it, her business model is not the traditional physical therapy business model, obviously. And there's something to be said about you know recognizing that what a traditional platform or professional service is in your field does not mean that's what you need it to be right and you can carve out and build out your own business uh that aligns with what's important to you uh and be really successful at it you do not have to you do not have to kind of follow that boxed in model right you got a, a box with four corners that a lot of people try to plant themselves in with the business and it's just not necessary and in fact i would argue that's probably a more difficult space to play in uh it might take a little bit more effort to build out a business like uh dr marin has but it to your point you know try to get an appointment with her it's really tough because she's she's found a an opportunity to serve a market that was not being served by you know the traditional in a box platform so i think that's pretty cool and there's 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 a real lesson to take away as a as a business owner and a professional about maybe maybe being a, a unique service provider a unique unique professional provider relative to what the industry you're in uh would kind of suggest right find your niche and but the thing that drove that what the most was right her passion right so finding that don't find a niche just to find a niche make sure that that's your passion and then it will be natural to succeed yeah yeah ab absolutely a pretty pretty cool conversation so yeah it, you know again if this was your first time listening to us uh you know a really unique conversation with a unique business owner out there with with a lot of great takeaways uh give us a like a subscribe a follow if you're if you're continuing to listen and you, this is not your first episode we appreciate you and and hope you got a little something out of this conversation today as always and uh you're welcome to get in touch with us either via our dms or where else can they find us doc of course, you can find us at our website at jbandthedoctor.com or on all our social media at jbandthedoctor. You can listen to our podcast. You can read our blog. And you can also get our free gift. Tell me what that is, JB. Yeah, six methods to make sure that your business does not fail. You can get it right off our website, front and center, first page. Uh, just some of the top reasons businesses struggle and some easy, actionable tips to make sure that it's your competition failing and not you. Of course. That, that was a beautiful summary. I liked it. I was like admired by it. I, well, you know, I, I, I'm about to sign off. I'm done. This is, this yeah, is when a good salesperson shuts up. I wanted to leave you on a high. <laughs> All right. Well, everybody, it's been an absolute pleasure. I'm JB and I am out. Peace out, you. Yeah.